I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, folks, this is Kevin. Just a few words before we start. I don't know if you have heard of the Twitter campaign that we at Risk are doing right now, but here's what we're doing. We're encouraging all of you Risk fans to tweet to Rolling Stone, at Rolling Stone, to Entertainment Weekly, at EW, and to the New York Times, at NYT underscore arts. Tweet to these people and include our URL, risk-show.com, and the hashtag is ReviewRisk. Let these people know that they should be paying attention to and writing about this show. What if you don't have a Twitter account? Then you can email. You can send your emails to thearts at nytimes.com, ew underscore letters at ew.com, and editors at rollingstone.com. And as always, if you would like to advertise with us, write to chris at risk-show.com. And if you would like a Risk live show to come to your hometown, to your college, or even to your own backyard, to your home, write to tour at risk-show.com. And finally, let me just say, listen, if you don't read as much as you used to, you can fix that very easily. You can listen to books on the go. You can listen as you're drifting off to sleep in bed. You can listen at work. There are thousands and thousands of great books recorded by great voice actors if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash risk. You can find books like Game of Thrones, The Hunger Games, the Steve Jobs biography, Tina Fey's new book, books by Toni Morrison, P.D. James, Stephen King, Elmore Leonard, Jeffrey Eugenides, Haruki Murakami, Jonathan Franzen. All the good stuff is there. And if you get an Audible account like I have one, through us, it helps risk. Get your free audiobook and a free two-week trial at audiblepodcast.com slash risk. Audiblepodcast.com slash risk. Go get it. Now here's the show. Extra risk! 
Hello, kids. This is Extra Risk, where we give you just a little bit more of the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison. This is Monster Rally behind me now. Uh, If you've never heard the show before, we have our regular episodes of Risk where we have four or five stories, some told at our live shows in New York or Los Angeles or out on tour, and some radio-style stories. On episodes of Extra Risk, like this one, we usually feature just one story or an interview. And today, we're going to feature a very dear friend of mine who I've been wanting to have on the podcast, oh, for many, many months. Let me just say, if you ever get the chance to see Morgan live, you really owe it to yourself because she's just such, she's just such a beautiful person and great fun to see live. One thing uh, Morgan wanted us to do was to post a uh, photograph of her from back in the day and nowadays, you know, a before and after sort of photo. Uh, So we're going to put that on our blog. So look for that. And be sure to check out her own website at morgansfunny.com. That's M-O-R-G-A-N-S funny.com. And so let's get to it. This is Morgan with a story we call Always a Woman. I've known my whole life that I was in the wrong body. I can remember asking my mother, when do I get to carry the purse? How about some frilly stuff for me? Being a child of the 50s, that drew me a smack in the head. From my mother, the one person I should have been able to tell my truth to. And it was very hard to figure why, why it was wrong, you know, and why it was so unacceptable. And it never went away. By the time adolescence hit, I had been uh, swiping and trying on my mother's clothes for quite a while. Mothers realized that. And uh, I needed a new place to shop. And I couldn't just go to a store and say, hey, I want, you know, I want lady stuff, because this was wrong. But I found Salvation Army drop boxes. They were all over town. Any big department store or chain store had one of these receptacles in the parking lot where people would put clothes in. And if you were agile and adventurous enough, you could climb right in there and find outfits. So that's what I used to do. I used to pilfer uh, Salvation Army boxes for my ladies' clothes. And uh, I would take the outfits that I concocted in the dark of these boxes out to the woods and... uh, pretty much dress up for the squirrels. The nice thing about squirrels is they don't judge. And again, it like never went away, never went away, never went away. And a big part of being transgendered for me was I was bent on overcompensating. Just because I didn't want you to know. And uh, early on I started anesthetizing myself. I figured out how to drink and drug because that made 
my inconvenient truth a little bit easier for me to bear. I know I can act, because I pulled the boy thing off for years. I didn't really do a lot of high school. I actually stopped going to school around seventh grade. I became, you know, it was like I was a secret agent or something, like I had some kind of dual thing going on with me, and it was just too uncomfortable to be in school. Any of the jobs that I took was essentially to, to take the heat off. And I've genuinely always been good with my hands. I did auto body work for a while. I paved road. I worked with carpenters. I did all sorts of stuff when I was on the road. I've hitchhiked over 40,000 miles from the time I was like, I did my first coast to coast when I was 13 years old. Being good with my hands and tools is one of the things that makes me a kind of a hot shit lesbian, you know? I know the God of my understanding has a sense of humor. The God of my understanding decided, let's give the trans girl a 10-inch cock. Really, God? Do you have any idea what this shit is doing to my panty lines? It was in the way. That overcompensating thing carried over into, you know, I've been given this 10-inch cock. I might as well play that. And it kind of makes an impression on people along the way. So uh, I tried numerous times to, like, screw it away. I tried to marry it away. And it was during one of those marriages to a good one that uh, I had a friend that was a union iron worker that told me, you can do this, Joey. And uh, iron work was, uh, was a wonderful little person job. Actually being little was an attribute, right up until the boss was like, you're little, go on out there, you know? Um, so, I did iron work on the waterfront in Jersey City for like 10 years. I worked on a bunch of different buildings and uh, hanging out with the boys right before lunch. We'd be looking over the side of the building from like the 20th floor or something and seeing girls. And I still, I love women. I've always loved women. But I'd be looking over the side with the boys that I was working with. They'd be thinking, we could do those girls. I'd be thinking, I could do that outfit. Look at those shoes. And they had no idea. The story of my transition starts at like 4.30 in the morning in Island Heights, New Jersey. I'm up at 4.30 because I got a 71 mile ride to work. And uh, I get there and I tell the boss that I have to leave at 12 because my wife and I are going to a convention or something. And uh, he tells me, fine, take an apprentice and go to 28 and start cleaning up. There's a floor going to be poured tomorrow. So I go up in the, uh, it's called a buck horse. It's that screened-in elevator that rides the outside of buildings. It's cool. It's like an amusement ride on your way to work because it's all screened. The floor is screened. So I ride to 28 with Benny. He's the apprentice that I've been 
been given for the day. Benny is a great guy to have on your crew if you have dope that needs smoking or if you want to play hide and seek instead of working. Um, we get to 28, Benny disappears. I start looking around at what the job's gonna entail. I'm, I'm supposed to be cleaning up. And uh, I see a piece of plywood that needs to be moved, a full sheet of plywood. I'm little, I've never been big enough to just pick up a piece of plywood and move it. So what I would do is pick up one end of it, waist high, and go to push it out of my way. Uh, I did that. My first step was great. My second one was in a two-story hall. I went from the 28th floor to the 26th floor. And I broke all the shit you could break in a two-story fall. Broke like 29 bones. And uh, I was in and out of consciousness. And the first time I came to, uh, the iron workers had me leaned up against a column. And I looked out in front of me, and I knew it was bad because the whole working gang was there. Even the guys from the ground that had been sending iron up, they were there too. And they were all looking at me. They were in a half circle, all eyes were on me, and they were looking at me like little boys that had just shit their pants. And I was like, oh, this is bad. And then I looked down and I realized there was bones sticking out of my arm. And I was like, oh, damn, this is bad. And then I realized there's two EMS guys working on me. One of them's cutting my pant leg off and the other one's cutting my boot off. And the only thing I could think of was these guys are gonna see my legs are shaved and my toes are painted. Not I just fell two floors and I'm probably gonna die. These guys are gonna see, you know, jungle red on my toes. And like I said, I know, I know I can act. I, I worked with iron workers for 10 years and they didn't kill my ass, you know, because in New Jersey, that's a, I don't know, like a hangable offense. <laughs> the next time I came to, I was in intensive care where I realized morphine is a wonderful drug for when you fall two floors and break 29 bones. Not so much for Friday nights as I had thought previously. And the next thing I realized was I've lived 50 years without ever being able to tell my truth. And I also got a real grip on just how precarious life is. You know how many pieces of plywood I moved before I moved that one? You know how many buildings I worked on before I worked on that one that day? You know, and in like that much time, my life changed. And the next thing I realized laying there in that hospital bed was, uh, there's plenty of ugly women out there. I'm doing this. Get out of the way. I got to tell you, when I first started getting out as Morgan, I was not as proficient at it as I am now. On any given day, it was hard to tell just what it was I was going for, because I didn't have, I was married when I fell. And I told my wife two months in what went on with me, because she loved me, we loved each other. And we were married for like 20 years before I fell. 
strangely enough, I thought I was in a lesbian relationship. She thought she was in love with a well-hung man. And she was not receptive at all. She, we even tried to step to it. And she was like repulsed by that side of me. I decided it still had to be covert. And instead of Salvation Army boxes, it was, uh, you know, her side of our closet. And, uh, yeah, and she knew. And I, we really tried to address it, to make it out loud, but it just didn't didn't work for her. She was just repulsed by it. But it's my heart, you know? My heart has been female right along. And if you fall off a building as a union iron worker and live, it's pretty lucrative. So I had the money for my transition and I did all the research. And on the days of my uh, endocrinologist appointments, I would drive to Jersey City where I'd done all that ironwork and this one day I drove to Jersey City I parked my vehicle and I was walking down the sidewalk and out in front of me were two iron workers that were on the same building I was on when I fell except they didn't recognize me because I was doing it was in early transition I call that my clown hooker stage it was hard to tell what it was that I was going for when I first started dressing up and going out because I had no practice, I had no idea. And my wife wasn't really in my corner. I don't know that I got the best information from her about how I looked, you know, or about whether this went with that or, or not. And uh, I'm walking down the street in Jersey City. I look out in front of me and there's two iron workers that were on the building. They were part of that half circle when I fell. They were guys I saw every day. And they didn't recognize me. But I couldn't let it go by. I'm like, hi, I'm Morgan. I used to be Joe. They looked me right in the face and said, wow, you really did bang your fucking head, didn't you? And that's... <laughs> I get a lot of that. <laughs> but I, you know, I can't hide. This is my truth. I'm not going to hide. I've seen it in living color. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know what later today's going to be like. But I know this is my truth. And I know it's not wrong. I know I'm a good woman. It's a lot of shit I didn't know. I didn't know bringing a 10-inch cock to a lesbian relationship was a good thing. How would I know? As close as I ever came to not getting the surgery was when I met the woman that I'm in a relationship now with, I met Sharon when I was pre-op. She's a confirmed lesbian, has been forever. She saw my heart and was quite enthused with my bad plumbing. That was as close as I came to not doing the surgery and that I did more thinking and more research about that after coming to the realization that somebody could love me for who I am. I told my mother I was going to Trinidad to have the surgery and she was mortified. I was like, no mother, Trinidad, Colorado, stop it. They're not gonna do it with coconuts or something. That was hard too, you know, the telling my mother, you know, my stepmother had a son for, for 50 years. 
and she's from that place where if you don't talk about stuff it goes away well really doesn't go away one of the questions that still hangs with me that they asked me in this final evaluation in order to qualify for the surgery the uh, psychiatrist asked me if I was ready to give up the power and I was like oh my god what power I'm getting a pussy I thought that was the power and she was like no the the power of being a male in this society are you ready to give that up you know I understand now what she was talking about how it's a male driven society and I do get pretty good service at Home Depot with my little push-up bra and stuff so I understand that but I was so thrown off by that question after I had been out in early transition I thought part of being responsible was letting everybody know and I used to fish all the time. I fished striped bass on the other coast. And I had this favorite spot where I would go and buy sandworms. And I pulled into the parking lot and I grabbed the door handle and I couldn't get out of the truck. It was scary. It was genuinely scary. And I finally got the courage to open the door and I went in presenting as the other gender and Dennis was in there and he's behind the counter. And I was like, Dennis, I want a dozen sandworms. And he turns around, goes over to the cooler, gets a cup and starts counting the sandworms out and putting them in the cup. And I'm talking the whole time. I'm like, Dennis, this is what's going on with me. I've known my whole life, blah, blah, blah. And I'm telling him and telling him. He finally gets up to 12 and he turns to me and he goes, do you have the money for the fucking sandworms? And I was like, yeah, Dennis, I have the money for the sandworms. I wanted to tell you, but he goes, yeah, fine. Give me the money for the sandworms. Go fish. And uh, who would have thought, you know, I find affirmation in the strangest places. You know, if you had told me the man from the bait and tackle shop is going to be so on your side, I would have said, bullshit, no way. And he was, he is my friend. And your, your real friends, the people that really care about you, they're there no matter what. Essentially, they want to they wanna see you happy, you know, and that's all I want to do. I just want to be happy. I just don't want to... <sighs> Hormones. Since coming to San Francisco six years ago, I don't know if it's fact that I'm in this little bubble or... You know, that's San Francisco. Or it's just that I'm of an age where I'm like, this is the decision I've made. This is my truth. I'm doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping to this. My life has been unbelievable. I've been doing stand-up as a way of making stuff out loud and making people laugh. I've always been a storyteller. And apparently I have an interesting story. I want to keep telling my story and getting it out there because it's not wrong. I am a good woman and I'm a contributor. I make people laugh, damn it. 
I feel like my mission is to clear brush for the people that come behind me, you know, for the people that are my age. And a lot of the people that do step to this do it later in life, when their parents have died, when their children have married and gone away, when this and when that. The God of my understanding, with her sense of humor and all the 10-inch cock stuff, knew it was going to take a two-story fall and a really good banging of my head to wake me up. And I, I'm just trying to clear the brush for the people coming behind me. And my heroes are the parents of the children of today when their kids tug on their purse and ask, when do I get to carry the purse? They're listening. They're not just negating it right off the bat, which is kind of cool. And this is Caracol with all the girls. Don't forget that on Thursday, February 23rd at the Nerdmelt Theater in Los Angeles, we have a super strong lineup. Margot Lightman, Luke Cunningham, and Helen Hong will be there. On that same night, February 23rd at the Pit in New York City, we have Glennis McMurray, Jackie Cation, Mike Amato, and Jan Warner. Big, big shows on the 23rd of February. You can always learn more about our New York and Los Angeles and touring shows at risk-show.com tour. You'll also find a shop on our website at risk-show.com where you can buy our all-star episodes. Some of the best episodes we've ever done with some of the biggest names we've ever worked with. Remember when you're on the front page of risk-show.com, you scroll down and there on the right, is a little guy filling a gas tank says keep risk running that's where you can donate to us because we always very 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 much so need it learn about our storytelling training at thestorystudio.org please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at risk show and comment about us on iTunes those comments get iTunes attention and end up helping us out a big deal Last but not least, today's the day, folks. 
take a risk. Easter egg? Easter egg!